Let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 18 as we switch gears in this series, as we deal with a very toxic environment that we're in, where domestic violence is high. You've got road rage. You've got people higher in divorce court than ever before. Um, you've got people that are just not happy. And those who have found safe places are lonely and are hurting. And they, placed, they have no place to go to because they have isolated themselves so long they don't know where to turn. The pandemic has shown us that isolation leads to desolation. And desolation leads to people having a sense about God that is not true. The pandemic has taught us that owning everything does not bring happiness. Becoming everything does not bring happiness. And so people are in a great search right now trying to find happiness, TikTok, Instagram, Developing all kinds of friendships and that are abstract, not objective. And people are going in all kinds of directions as if God doesn't know what relationships are all about. And the only thing God knows is relationships. That's all he's had for eternity. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I said in the video, only one time they fell out, and that was at the cross. And what led them to fall out is what led most relationships to fall out. Sin. Somebody lied. Somebody cheat. Somebody's not a person of integrity. When they say something, they don't mean it. So people violate the very foundation upon which every relationship is built on, even with God. Trust. The first thing God would say when you walk with him is, trust me. If you take away that foundational concept of relationship, you got nothing, even with God. So let's take a look at how we now move to another level here. In, X, in Proverbs chapter 18, look down to verse 24. We're going to bounce around the book of Proverbs for a little bit as we study this whole thing of relationships. In verse 24, he says, A man of, many, of too many friends come to ruin. Actually, in the Hebrew text, it says a man of friends, plural, to ruin. But they put into the text too many friends because friends is plural. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I look at chapter 19, verse 7. Chapter 19, verse 7. And this is what he says. All of, all of the brothers... In chapter 27, verse 6, sorry, chapter 27, verse 6, chapter 27, verse 6, I want to do too many verses today because y'all know Paul Cannings. We will keep you here a minute trying to explain all of it. So chapter 27, verse 6 says, a faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Look at verse 10. Do not forsake your friend, your own friend. Or your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. Look at chapter 17, verse 17. This is how the Bible defines who is a friend. Okay? Not how Facebook defines it or Instagram. This is how the Bible defines a friend. He says in verse 17, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born in adversity. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that uh, <laughs> you would so be into friends that you wouldn't just die to get us to heaven. You would die because what man, kind of man is this that would lay down his life for a friend? You want the Garden of Eden back again. Where Adam and Eve were your friends. So, God, we pray that in the midst of this culture we're in, we would learn what a friendship really is. And we would not take that lightly because this is what leads to brokenness, this is what leads to relationship after relationship. 
This is what leaves people, because of those relationships, to become bitter, suspecting, not trusting. And Lord, leads to even marriages being difficult because of the broken relationships before the marriage. So God, teach us your way. Since the world leaves us broken in their way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Most times when we do premarital counseling and all these different things, there's things that people sometimes become frustrated with me about. And one of them is I would tell them, date for a while. Oh, no, we want to get married in six months. No, no, date for a while. And I would, they would say, what's the big deal about that? The big deal about that is that relationships are built on friendships. They're not built on intimacy first. In other words, if relationships were built on intimacy, why so many people who were intimate getting divorces if it was built on intimacy? If all of it was about somebody sleeping with somebody, then why is all these people who are sleeping with people still breaking up? Because relationships were not first built on that premise. Relationships were first built on friendships. And when friendships are defined and operate within the confines of how God makes it, you can't break two people who have a friendship apart. You just can't break them. Uh, raising kids don't break them. Financial struggles don't break them. Losing jobs don't break them. Going through difficult health issues don't break them. Why? Because you see some people, that's why I love to see some of these seniors who sometimes die within a year after their partner after six something years together would die within a few years later because why? They had such a close friendship with that person. No matter how much the family tried to fill that space, the family can't fill that space because their friendship was so dear. Because it's the friendship. It wasn't the intimacy when they're 90-something. It was the friendship that mattered the most. That's what carried it. Today, we don't have much patience for developing friendships we want to have stuff quick, fast, fun, have a good time. And so we leave people bitter, broken, angry, upset, suspicious of everybody. You don't trust nobody. You've had people even say, I don't trust nobody. That's not a good thing because one day you want to get married. Some people have walked away from friendships to where they want to isolate and not have to deal with nobody because they've been hurt so many times. I'm not dealing with nobody. I ain't even going to be around anybody. I'm done with all of this stuff. And all they find is loneliness. That leads to bitterness, that leads to frustration, because God never designed them that way. So when the, the, the pandemic came and people, you know, did their thing, people eventually have to celebrate getting out. So now people are crazy getting out. How do we manage this so that we learn friendships for what they are? That's what this message is today. How do we learn about friendships for what they are? And there are certain elements that make that work so people stay within your inner circle. Jesus Christ had an inner circle. You, can, you know, people get upset sometimes when people do it. No, no, no. Jesus Christ had an inner circle. Peter, James, and John, he had an inner circle. When he goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. When he goes to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John. When you start looking at that, he come to Peter and say, Peter, do you love me? He didn't go to the rest of the disciples. That friendship meant something. And Peter wouldn't dare say, I agape you. Peter kept saying, I filio you. In other words, I have so broken trust, I wouldn't dare say that I love you beyond myself. I would rather say we are associates and we are some people, we enjoy being around each other, but I would not dare go to the deeper level because I violated the most fundamental thing of a relationship, trust. So Peter refused, kept asking him, asking him. Peter refused to say, gape. He said, filio, because Peter understood friendships. What Christ wasn't asking for was not a preacher. Christ wasn't asking for the leader of the disciples and all this stuff. What Christ was asking Peter for was fundamental. I died for a friendship. Are you going to be my friend? Here's Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God, the person who is the most mighty person that runs the entire universe. He could go to heaven and operate everything because while he was on earth, he was in heaven. He said, Peter, I see Satan trying to shift you like wheat right now. He, he was in heaven fully and fully God, fully God and fully man. Why does he need a friendship with Peter? He did because that's what he loves, friendships, because that's all he knows is friendships. We keep letting the world define something that God has specialized in. And that's why we are broken. And today, we need to keep people within our inner circle or we'll be broken. Being alone and isolating yourself 
Don't do it. I've pastored long enough to see people who have done that and to see them dying alone. Dying alone is not fun. I've seen it. I've been called to the hospital because there's nobody showing up for somebody. Because they ain't want to deal with nobody no more. That's not the way to go. And that's why he defines for us. And you think the person who would define this wouldn't be Solomon. But Solomon, yeah, Solomon came in a time when his own brothers were against him. His own brother tried to take the throne from him. Tried to use his mother to get to the throne. Because Solomon knows about his father and Jonathan. And the relationship between Jonathan and his father. Solomon knows about that. Solomon would know about friendship in the sense that the person who would be supposed to be a friend to his dad turned on his dad and he had to get somebody to go kill that person. So Solomon would know about friendship because he understands what that meant for his father. He understands how people turned against him in trying to get to his throne. So that since he was young, taking over the throne, and the friendships they had with their dad did not translate to the friendship they had with him. So Solomon is a person who understands friendships, and Solomon understands why he does not have the wife he wants to until he gets to the Song of Solomon, because it was sex for him. It was not friends for him. <coughs> Excuse me. So Solomon is sitting here telling us in the next book in Ecclesiastes that all of that stuff he tried to achieve end up leaving him empty. He had all these women, but he was empty. He had all the stuff of the world, but he came out empty. And he started realizing that this was what makes it work. So God put a person together in the Bible that would get ahead of us and, and show us what the trappings of the world would provide, what women and having a bunch of women would do. He, he lets this man be there on earth for us, show us what it's like, show us the damage of it so that we don't go do the same thing and find out the same stuff. You know, I read something by O.J. Simpson years ago, and he said, I always to wonder why rich people would commit suicide. Uh, it's from his handwriting, his, his writing. He said, I used to wonder why rich people will commit suicide. And he said, not until I became rich and alone and considered suicide did I understand. I got all the wealth, all the riches, I got all of it, but it's not until I was there and thinking about suicide that I understand. This matters little. That's why Solomon is saying this in Proverbs 18. Let us take a look at this, that the circle of trust must be there. If we don't have a circle of trust, you never have a friend. And you shouldn't date that person. You should not marry that person. Because all they're going to do is hurt you and betray you and tear you down. shouldn't date the person. If a person can't be a friend in dating where you're impressing one another, why marry them? Run. Do like Joseph. Run. I used to drive my sons crazy with that. What do you mean run? So, son, you're emotionally engaged. Whether the person's a friend or not, you're emotionally engaged. You're all wrapped into this. So the only way this works is when you run. What do you mean run? Delete their number. Take everything back to their house. So run. Because you can't take it slow back and out because you're emotionally engaged. That's why he says this. In verse 24, a man who has too many friends, everybody giving them advice, everybody saying, so he said, the person, watch this carefully. And I'm going to define a friend to show how comparative this, how paradoxical this is, how opposite this is. A person who has a friend but has too many of them, a, that person will come to bits and pieces in their life. That's what he's saying. In other words, one friend is going to say, man, leave the woman. Leave the man. Not a friend going to say, man, she all right. One person is going to say, make that investment. Not a person is going to go, man, that's a bad investment. Another person is going to say, hey, man, you need to go get that job. Person, man, don't leave that job alone. I used to work that job. So you're going to have all these comparative things that are going in different directions that are paradoxical, opposite to each other. And after a while, the person is trying to satisfy all these people that are supposed to be friends. And eventually, they end up in all these pieces of their life. And they don't have a set course for their life because they got so many different advices going in so many different directions. They don't know which one to follow. And eventually, they back away from all the friends. They end up lonely and they still ain't going nowhere. 
So that's why Solomon is saying, and it actually happens with his son, Jeroboam, in the northern kingdom. He ended up splitting the nation of Israel into two pieces. His friend had a bunch of young friends, and they told him, tax the people. Another person says this, and he followed his friends. And what finally, when he followed his friends, what, what literally happened is the nation split because he was following this coup of friends. The Bible is saying it's not good to have a large number of friends. It is better to have a few friends that are focused. Because when you have a large number of friends, they are, and, and you got to define this word friend first. You could have a large number of friends in this circle of friends. You could have a large number of friends, but they are friends of God. If you have people who are friends of God, then they're going to be friends with you and they wouldn't they move you away from God. So the kind of friends that he's talking about is friends that are just associates that are in your ear and they seem to be loyal, they seem to be committed, but they're really not friends. They're just trying to get a bits and pieces of your life. I actually show this with my sons. I say, son, how many friends did you have before you were driving? How many friends do you now have that you're driving? And now that you're a star at Jersey Village High School and they're calling your name on the system every time there's a game for so many tackles and all this other stuff, how many friends do you end up with now? Well, how many friends did you have before all of that? While he was in, had an injury and laying in the hospital bed, I said, where are your friends? Who called you? I left your phone here. Who called you? I said, they're not friends. Friends are, we're going to define friends. Friends are people. That's why he's talking. So he's talking about a certain kind of friend as well. Look, Peter was supposed to be a friend of Christ. You're not going to die. Get behind me, Satan. So many times we have all these people buzzing in our ears, and when they're contradicting, and when they're not lining up biblically, but we just like being around them because they like the same kind of music. Some people like football together. Some people like basketball together. Some people like sewing and knitting together. Some people like going on cars and love cars together, like riding motorcycles together. So they have a niche that they're in, or they're in their fraternity or sorority. So they got this niche that they're in, and because they're in that niche, they got these people buzzing in their ears. He's saying, too many of those kinds of people putting you in all kinds of direction will put your life in pieces. That's what ruin means in the scriptures. It means your life now is in a bunch of pieces. You got a piece over here from a bad relationship you once had. You got a piece over here because your money's all messed up. You got a piece over here in that you got a job, but yet you got so many jobs you've left and quit, you can't get a respect when you go look for a job. He leaves your life in pieces. And that's why he says this in the bottom part of the verse. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, that gets really deep here. And we got to define who's this friend. Who's this friend that sticks closer than a brother? What does that mean? Because this is how we define a friend. Right, let's define a friend for a minute. The first place we would go to define a friend because so many people are, what you call that, defriending, unfriending? I've yet to learn it because I don't do Facebook. People, people are so superficial these days. If somebody don't say what they want them to say, they go to Facebook and tick them off. And they're supposed to be a friend, right? Hello, maybe I'm talking to somebody today. It's supposed to be a friend, right? But they just take them off. There's some people that say they're a friend, but in the worst time of a person's life, you can't find their number. Look at verse 17 of chapter 17, right next to chapter 18, right there in verse 17. It says, a friend, here's the first thing about a friend, loves you at all times. What does the word love mean? Because we got love all twisted today. Hollywood defines our love. The bachelorette defines our love. The bachelor defines love. We have no clue what love is, I believe. Because you see two people saying, I love you. What happens six months later is amazing. When one person now got married, when you say, just, just give it a year and a half or so. So, well, why, why have you got to wait so long? You're going to be married forever. What's the rush? But forever is forever. You know, a plane got to have a runway to take off. Could you just build a little runway here? No, 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 they want to get married. Then they got to deal with the air condition. Somebody likes it cold. Somebody likes it hot. Somebody likes covers. Somebody don't like covers. Somebody likes a dirty car. Don't bother them. Another person likes a clean car. Somebody drives the car on E, and the other person drives the car in full. 
Somebody likes quiet moments. We just like to be alone. The other person wants, what's wrong? Stop bugging me. Because <laughs> people marry opposites. And until they learn how the opposites make one picture, the opposites will stay opposites. Because love makes the difference. So we defined love before we got to this series. And we explained love lasts. Love doesn't fall apart. Go to 1 John for just a quick minute. Just so I just do a quick review of that, very quick review of that. That the Bible says love. Love in the Bible is not a feeling. We put love to a feeling, and that's why we end up not being with people because we feel them one time, and then we don't feel them anymore. And, and I say this to all of you ladies. Please remember, you're not going to look the same 40 years from now, so you need a friend that you're going to marry. I, I, I'm just being honest with you, okay? He ain't going to look the same, and you ain't going to look the same. So if you marry somebody because, oh, she good, man, she looks nah, you know, she, all this other stuff, that's going to change. So if you marry somebody that's into you because of how you look, and that's it, and they're not a friend, I guarantee you there are going to be some issues down the road because you ain't going to look the same. I am not going to look the same. And when you look in the mirror, don't lie. It'll tell you the truth. Okay? So relationships need friendships because if it's just based on feelings and how we gel together, how we feel about each other, that, I'm telling you, after 42 years of marriage... That doesn't keep it together. It just doesn't. And after 28 years of pastoring, it doesn't. Friendships do. Because friendships are based on fundamental thing, love. Look at 1 John, what love is. This is how God defines love. And who is God? God is love. He's not like he's giving out love. He is the very nature of what love is. That's why folks are doing crazy stuff and God is still taking care of them. Look at verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. Love is from God. So if a person doesn't, is not even saved, it's impossible for them to sustain love. So that's why anytime a person is unsaved, they fall out of love because the source is love. Of love is God. So if I disconnect from God, I cannot continue to love because he defines love. He's the source of love. He's the empowerment of what love is. So if I, if I disconnect from the gas station, I'm run out of gas. That's just how it goes. If I don't pay my light bill, I'm in darkness. If I don't pay my water bill, I'm in darkness. So if I don't connect to who God is and learn who God is, and you marry somebody who doesn't care for God, then you automatically know that a relationship will not last for years because the source of love is God. And children suffer because people get into these relationships. Children come, and I got to watch two adults behave like children while they challenge them to be adults. He says this, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The word know is described in chapter 2. This is what he says about know in chapter 2 in verse 3. By this we know we have come to know him if we keep his commands. The one who says I have come to know him and does not keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. The Holy Spirit does not live powerfully in that person. So if a person is saying, I know God, I'm saved, but they don't keep God's word. The minute problems pop up, they're going to do what they're going to do. Forget that Bible, close that Bible, church stuff, I'm out. The Bible is saying that person is telling you loud, they don't know God. Because a person who knows God is walking in the spirit, and they can't keep acting like that because the spirit convicts them. The spirit brings verses to them. The spirit drives them to do the right thing because the spirit of God is that powerful inside of them. They can't keep doing what they want to do because the spirit of God drives the process. That's why you find Peter having to say, you know I love you, Jesus. I can't move nowhere. I got to be fishing out here hoping you show up because I can't go nowhere anymore. Love keeps the relationship together when it is driven by the person who is love, God. Because he is the source of it, it can't fall into pieces. So they don't, the word love defying, is that God defines love because it's a person who keeps his word. So anytime a person is a friend, he's saying a friend loves at all times, meaning the person loves God at all times. What does that mean? To love the Lord all your heart, your soul, and your mind is to love your neighbor 
as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Your husband, your wife, your friend at the job, your, your friend you grew up with, your sorority brother or sister, all, all that people. The Bible says your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. The person must love God first before that happens. So if a person doesn't love God first, they can't love their neighbor. So that's why they can't be a friend to you if they're not a friend to God. It's impossible. They can't make it. And that's what he continues to define throughout the rest of that chapter. But back to Proverbs chapter 17, he says, a friend is born in adversity. Now, please hear me. Please hear me. Hear me, hear me. Because you, 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 we have to learn who is a friend. You have to learn who is a friend. You see too many broken people today that said they had friends and they don't have friends. They don't have friends. And, and, and you see especially young people today. Young people don't even want to marry. They just want to have casual sex. Why? They're being broken too many. People lie to them too many times. They watch their parents divorce or living in two different bedrooms and all that. So what am I getting married for? Our young people and young adults are totally different mindset. Because we haven't fundamentally built relationships and what is fundamental to every relationship, a friendship. And we're not willing to let God define it. We want the world to define it and the world is showing us they, can't, they don't know nothing. How many times Elizabeth Taylor got married? You got J-Lo and Melo and all the time in the news, there's people trading out each other all day long in, 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 in Hollywood. The bachelorettes, that's going to make a great person to get married. Survey show, only a couple people stayed married. After all the wonderful free stuff they got. I mean, just look at the statistics. I'm not asking you to believe their rhetoric. Look at the statistics. What is it producing? Sexual diseases. Two people could be married for all their life that have one when they're faithful to each other. Two people that aren't faithful or people are just sleeping around gets 29. How in the world is God wrong? Anyway, it's hard to convince people because you listen to so much before you walk in church. The church has to convince you rather than... The world has to convince you. Y'all got musicians talking about love. I did the same thing. I used to love Marvin Gaye. You know, it's not like when you want to be with your wife, you listen to Just As I Am Without a Plea. <laughs> Saved as you is. Come on, let's be real about it now. And as I told the young people last week, I can't listen to that stuff. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I can't get in a mood with people just rapping crazy. Who's mad? Who's mad here? We're not trying to be mad here. I mean, it's going off. Marvin Gaye, yeah, you know. I understand, but that creates a moment. It doesn't create a relationship. That's why he says, a brother is born in adversity. A person moves from a friendship to a brother in adversity. You know, you know who brought that home for me? My brother. <laughs> you know, my brother and I grew up real close. My younger brother. Um... I don't know why I always looked out for him. He was like the family mascot. <laughs> you got eight kids. All the girls are older than my brother and I. So all the girls would love on my little brother. So I really didn't need to look out for him. But I looked out for him. And one day he looked at me after Afghanistan. And he looked me dead in the eye and he said, Paul, you're my brother, right? Yes. Yeah, but Paul, the reason why I got to you last, there's some men I fought with. They're my brothers. Because so I kept fussing at him. What made you so, I, man, I only have a certain amount of time before you go back to the military and check in. And you show up here with just giving me four days. And that was his answer. Paul, I'm here, but I had to drive past some of my brothers. North Carolina from, from Colorado to Texas? Help me. 
<laughs> he said, I took that trip. I had to see some brothers. A brother is born when the bullets are flying. And that's why he is saying in this passage what he's saying. Why? He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that marriage is trouble. Marriage is trouble. I want to spare you the trouble, so stay single. He literally said that. We don't listen. Okay? We get married. We find out it's trouble, and then we run. But he's telling us up front it's trouble because he made marriage to be in opposites of people. Why? One person is cultivating the garden, and the other person got to help. How's the other person help? Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, he sets out the whole course for why he's putting two people together and make them burn to be together. He's saying, I made you male and female to be fruitful and multiply. Well, who's going to have the babies while the person is cultivating the garden? He got to have help. So he's put this together to be opposite so that they could complete one picture, Christ and the church. That's what he's trying to do. So he's saying, if you have a perfect marriage in the garden, and it became imperfect, leaving to two children, one child killing the other child, is because they walked away from God. When they walked away from God, their marriage was not perfect anymore. So when he built it to be opposites, to complement, now sin entered into the world is going to be trouble because the compliment, being complementary to each other is going to be more difficult. Because people would tend to move on their sin brought us closer to our feelings, to our desires, to who we feel like, what we want, what we desire. You can listen to, look, look at it at the garden. He doesn't come to them and challenge them to say, hey, man, you eat this fruit, you're going to be in sin. No, he says, this, this fruit will make you just like God. He was into their feelings. So sin, when it gets to its very nature, is into what I feel and it determines what I believe. So he's saying because people now get into their feelings and that selfishness and love is selfless, it's going to make it difficult. So he says when people get married, they're going to be trouble. So in other words, if you really want somebody who is going to be a great friend in marriage, you got to find them in trouble first before you go marry them. Because if in trouble they run, don't marry them. If in trouble they say, no, we need to work this out. Let's sit down and see what the scriptures are saying and work through it. You found a brother. You found a sister. But if in the midst of this, that's why people get mad at me. They're in my office and I'm saying, God, now they've decided to get married. Would you give them trouble? They want to let my hand go. I'm not trying to tell them. I say, even my sons, I hold my son's hand in, the, in, in my living room. I say, God. Now that they decide to get married, would you please give them trouble? He was the one that let my hand go. She held it tighter, which is weird. That was weird. My own son is trying to let go. No, don't let go. I grabbed his, 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 his wrist. But why? If in the midst of developing a relationship, you can't work through trouble, the Bible is saying you don't marry somebody who's not first your brother or sister. You marry somebody who's first your brother and sister because marriage is going to be trouble. If they can't handle trouble outside of the marriage and marriage is going to be trouble, why in the world will you marry them? That's like saying to a fireman, hey, you're supposed to out fires, but I ain't giving you no clothes. I ain't giving you no hose, but I'm going to dump you in the fire. He's going to get dead. The same thing the Bible says, the saying, train the person to fight the fire before you put them in the fire, and then you out the fire. So relationships fall apart because we come in looking for Hollywood. And the Bible is saying, no, they're lying to you. It's trouble. And the only way to deal with the trouble is to build, go beyond a friendship to a brotherhood, a sisterhood, where you stay together. What my brother is saying to me, when he describes the pieces of what war is like, you know, uh, is no, when the bullets are flying and the ground is shaking, you know a soldier then. When everybody parks and everybody's following orders and a tank just went out and nobody's sitting around crying and going on. They are rearranging their tanks, learning what the enemy is doing, fighting back. Another tank goes out and you still keep fighting. That's a soldier. It's when blended families are together. And it's not my children. Don't be talking to my children. When the baby mama's calling. Do they run into two people that are brothers and sisters? Or they don't run into two people that are enemies and don't know it. 
That's why he says, watch this carefully. Walk with me. A brother sticks. That's why he's going to say in chapter 18, verse 24, this person sticks. They stick like glue. They're loyal. They're very loyal. They don't walk away. They don't desert you. They don't, they, anytime a person deserts you, they're telling you loud, I was never your friend. I was there because I agreed with you. I was there because what you were doing, I liked. But when you change to doing what I don't like or what I don't agree with, peace, they were never a friend. When you're broke, it's the best time to learn who's a friend. That's just a side item from living a winner. You learn a good friend when you're broke. And you don't got no money. And before you could ask, they say, hey, man, you all right? No, man, things are tight right now. Hey, I got you, man. That's a friend. That's a friend. They don't go nowhere. And they don't put a gun to your head to get the money back because you're a person of integrity. Because you're a person of integrity, what do you do? I owe you this money, man. Things are better. Here you go. I'll get you next time. That's a friend. You learn a friend when things ain't good. That's when you learn a friend. You know why? Here's the next thing about a friend. They're honest. That's why he goes on to tell us this about a friend. In your circle of friendships that never will never be broken, he says this in chapter 27. A friend is going to be honest with you. They're going to be brutally honest sometimes. That's why they create wounds. David and Jonathan. Jonathan said to David, my daddy don't like you. He going to kill you. He didn't come to him and say, David, you're such a warrior, man. You killed Saul. You're the man, man. You're the fighter. David was a fighter, okay? David was a brutal fighter. <laughs> you got to study David. I plan to do a series on David. He was a horrible father. <laughs> he was a womanizer. But he was some kind of fighter, and he was a brutal fighter. Okay? That's why people feared him. David didn't just kill Goliath. He cut his head off. <laughs> and he planned to kill everybody. <laughs> okay. David and Jonathan, David and Jonathan, Jonathan came to David and he told him the truth. David came to Jonathan and said, Jonathan, let me tell you about your daddy. Oh, no, my daddy's not like that. Jonathan, I'm telling you, man, this is your daddy. You know what? Since you said that, I'm going to go sit with my daddy at dinner. And when Jonathan found out that that is his daddy, come back to David. Said, David, yeah, man, you're right. A good friend is honest. And that's why sometimes they create wounds. Because you don't like to hear what they got to say. They don't, you don't like what they got to say. But they, because they're people of character, because they're committed to be friends of God, they're going to tell you the truth when you want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. That's a friend. <laughs> that's why he says this in chapter 27. Look at verse 6. He says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. They ain't going to change what they got to say. That's when you know you got a friend. They're not going anywhere, but they're going to tell you the truth. What's the worst? They're faithful, but they create wounds. Because they're not going nowhere. They're going to simply tell you, I don't like you. I don't like you right now. They'll tell you that. What you're doing is wrong. But they're not going anywhere. They're not backing up. But they're not going to adjust their words to please you. They're not going to be politically correct to please you. That's why Jesus is a friend. Jesus is going to say, you're a sinner. Because we are. When he looks at his holiness and he looks at our failure in a character development, compared to my holiness, you fall short. That's what sin means. He's not insulting us. He's just saying, when I look at what holiness is, what perfection is, and I look at your character, it falls short. So when it falls short, you sin. When Jesus Christ looked at us, he says, you need Jesus to get to heaven. He's not messing up. Jesus Christ faced life, and he faced death, and he conquered both. What are we going to face? Life, and we're going to face death. We need to conquer both. So the only way to God is through Jesus, because that's the only person that did it. He's just telling us the truth. He's not trying to be mean or trying to tell us this or that. He's telling us what it is. That's why he's a friend. That's why before he could talk about friendships, he says, abide in me. I'll abide in you. 
Because we abide in each other, we can be friends. It's because you hold to my word we can be friends. Because I'm going to tell you the brutal truth. We want people to lie to us today. And then we call them friends. And we know they're lying. You know, like somebody came to me and says, yeah, man, you know, I like this woman and all this other stuff. I said, you married. What you talking about? Well, she, you know, she, she's the first person to look at my eyes and tell me how beautiful my eyes are and to tell me how, man, you know your eyes. You've been looking in the mirror. Why you let this woman telling you all this stuff? Man, I smell so good. Man. Okay. You got to stop using that old spice and brute. No, in them days it was brute. Not old spices. Old spices, okay. But in them days was brute. I said, man, you need to stop using brute. What are you trying to tell me, Cannings? Brute don't do brute. Brute is brutal. Stop. She lying to you. She look, you look good to her. She likes your conversation. You take, go to work. You started sharing how you feel and the pain that you're going through, and you got a chance to share that with somebody that you haven't been able to share with your wife. And because you have done what you should never do as a married man is to share your emotions and your wife and your relationship and all this other stuff, she is coaxing you into a relationship that will be built on dishonesty. You've been dishonest. She's been dishonest. You're violating trust. She's violating trust. And then you're going to build a relationship. It's not going to last because relationships are built on trust and you both violated it. Oh, Cannings, man, you know what you're talking about. Okay. Hallelujah. I'm here. Friends are brutal because they're going to tell you the truth, but they're not going anywhere. We don't want the truth. We want people to lie to us. I don't know what it is with our new culture today. Our new culture wants to make a lie the truth. Lie is a lie. My dad taught me that a long time ago. And that whipping was so hard, I tell myself, I ain't doing that no more. It ain't worth it. My dad said, you will never lie to me again. He was serious. He was serious. Here's another thing about a friend. So y'all would know who a friend is and who an enemy is. Then we'll talk about you being a friend. A friend is somebody, I said several things about a friend. Number one, they got to be committed to God. Number two, that's going to lead to an honest character. A lot of different things. They cry with you. They hurt with you. They're never going to desert you. They're committed to the principles of God, so they're going to always love you because they're loving God first. But it's another part to being a friend that is huge, that is important to this process. And this is, I want you to follow me down here in this verse. Look at verse 10. A friend will not only not forsake you, a friend will be a part of your family. They'll be a part of your family. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. A friend will never make your, your, your family the enemy. They will find a way to make your family, their friendships. Now, 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 I know some of us got some Bay Bay family members. I understand that. I ain't, I, I ain't born yesterday. Some of us got some Bay Bay family members that come around. As soon as they meet somebody you're talking to, they don't even know the person. Hey, man, you got $50? I understand that there are people like that. They didn't even know the person. You just walk them up in the house, and they start asking, hey, man, you got some money? That's, I know there's some people like that. I'm talking about it generally, that there are people in your family that you treasure because you have a good relationship with them and you treasure them. And when you're around them, they're important to you. It could be anybody, uncles, aunts, grandparents, whatever. But you treasure these people. And I'm saying to you, when they, you have those relationships and those people treasure you and that person that is important to you, rather than tell you to desert your family to come with them, that person that does that with your family is a friend. I have a rule. When I was raising our boys along with my wife. If there's a girl you're dating that don't want you to be with us, you better leave her. <laughs> what do you mean, Dad? I said, let's walk down the line. You now got kids. Are they going to be with us or with her family? And why would the kids fight to be with your family or her family? Will y'all be a family since she has no respect for family? You're creating a family with this woman. 
If she doesn't care for family, why are you going to go create a family? Don't make any sense. So if you want to take God and push him out the Bible, let's just be some common sense. You're going to build a family with somebody who don't care for family. I always want to isolate you and take you where she want to go, he wants to go. Every time there's a family issue, why you got to go over to your family? What's the family situation? Why you around your family? You start noticing they don't be around their family. So now you're isolated out there and your family, you have treated them badly. But this person was never a friend. So now when you go looking for your family, they don't want to look for you. Because you isolated with an enemy you called a friend. So who's an enemy? Who's an enemy? We got quiet. Who's an enemy? Because we got enemies as guns shooting and killing and I'm going to get you. And No, enemy is more subtle than that. Enemies are not like that. Do you, you see the enemy of God coming up in the garden? Subtle. Hey, she was already at the tree. Hey, fine lady. What's up? <laughs> That's what you see. An enemy is not as blatant and as forthright in the Bible as we think an enemy is because an enemy is defined by Satan, and Satan is crafty. So one of the first things about an enemy is that they're crafty. They're crafty. That's what he's going to talk about. When he says kisses you, uh, you know what Judas did. Do you know that the disciples never knew that Judas was crafty? That's why when he's talking about the money, they're defending him, not Christ. Judas was so persuasive. Judas was so good with his words that when Christ is saying, don't do this with the money, no, no, stop worrying about the money, the disciples would line up with Judas, not Christ. That's how crafty Satan is. Satan don't look for wrong stuff. Satan, an enemy, looks for good stuff. That's what an enemy looks for. So you tend to think, oh, well, an enemy, you know, this person is mean. No, no, no. An enemy is not always that obvious. Not in the Bible. An enemy is the most crafty person you could ever find. And they would make everybody believe they're right. And everybody else wrong. And they convinced that person so well that Judas would come kiss Christ. And then Peter would figure out he's Judas. That's how crafty he was. They didn't notice. Check it out. Go read Judas and the disciples. So the first thing about an enemy is that they're crafty. They come up on you and you don't know who they are until they bite you. In other words, you don't know an enemy until they choose not to be a friend. Because they violate the principles I've just shared about a friend. That the minute things go wrong, they will talk behind your back. What is that Judas did? Let's just pick Judas. Judas is talking to Christ. We'll follow you. We'll go with you. He's collecting money. And Judas, Judas would say, uh, you know what? Do you know how Judas was crafty? Man, this is funny. We're about out of time, but this is so interesting to me. When I studied Judas, I actually wanted to do, I wanted to do a series on Judas's, but I, I changed my mind. Because people may think I have agendas and all this stuff, and I don't. I just, I'm committed to the scriptures. Watch Judas. Judas is talking to Christ, and they're having dinner together. Christ says to him, go do what you're supposed to do. When are the disciples telling him that? Why did Christ tell him that? He's having dinner after he went behind Christ's back and sold him. So understand, an enemy is behind your back while they're in your face kissing you. That's why the Bible is saying, learn a friend so you could see an enemy. You don't learn an enemy to find a friend. You learn who a friend is to know who an enemy is. Oh, you're not with me today. Let me tell you about an enemy. Our enemy is quick to strife. That's how the Bible defines them. They're quick to strife. I wish I could go through some of these passages, but we don't, we, we, we out of time. Yeah, I know it doesn't, when Paul Canning say that, that don't mean nothing, but I do want y'all to go to, is this life app this week? No? Oh, y'all, no, okay, I mean I do that. 
Y'all should, I'm glad y'all didn't lie and say yes. The Bible says an enemy is a person who loves strife. And you can find it in the book of Proverbs. Just go to, the, go to concordance and look up the word strife and you'll find an enemy next to it. Love strife. Don't come to relationships to solve it because they want the relationship. They come to relationship to win. And it's all about winning. They don't really care to solve it. Even if they, even they solve it, solving it is winning and I'm on the winning side. The Bible said that's an enemy. Because a friend will not come to you that way. A friend will come to be blatantly honest, but will stick with you. An enemy going to tell you what they're going to tell you, and when they're done, peace, man, I'll see you on the other side. Strife. The Bible says an enemy is born out of jealousy and envy. If you go to, let me give you an example. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Pilate would stand in front of all the elders and the scribes and the Sadducees and says, this man ain't did nothing wrong. Y'all just jealous of him. Even the enemy knew why they were his enemy. So the reason why the people became Jesus' enemy <laughs> is because they got, it literally would say, look at all the crowds that are following him. Why did they become against the disciples? They literally said it. We are envious of them. It's right there in Acts. So envy creates enemies. Jealousy creates enemies. And enemies love strife. So enemies will set people against one another so they could tear up your family. I, I never forget one day telling my wife, she's not going to be in this family. And she goes, I've never heard you say that. Well, sorry, babe, you just heard it for the first time. That woman don't come nowhere near this family. She's always trying to create strife in our home. Every time she's around us, she's creating strife. Don't invite her no more. Thank God for my wife not asking for a biblical explanation. Just says, okay. Why? She's an enemy. This family ain't going to be in strife. So she got to go because she chose to be an enemy. The Bible says you don't play with enemies. They're two-faced, they're deceptive, they're liars, they have, and they're so good at lying, they make you think the truth is a lie. They're, they're very philosophical, and they would take the Bible and twist it. Running out of time, but here's an example. Here's an example. Here's an example. When Satan came to Jesus, he's an enemy. He came to Jesus. He quoted Scripture. Didn't he quote a Scripture? But he left out two words. That's an enemy. An enemy is not committed to the truth. What an enemy wants you to do is to believe that they are. So they could be the best quoting scripture person you ever find. They give you a verse for everything, but they don't mean none of it. I, I like what a writer says. A writer says that Satan uses the same Bible, just not the same biblical dictionary. I love that definition. I would never forget it. He uses the same Bible. Satan will quote the scriptures to you, but he will not use the biblical dictionary for it. <laughs> so you got people quoting scripture. As a matter of fact, I heard Putin quote a scripture. But Jesus Christ came to kill, steal, and destroy. What is he doing? So you call a, a Satan a Satan. Because that's the truth. That's who is influencing him. I ain't afraid to say that. That's what he is. He's influenced by Satan. He is bombing, bombing people, slaughtering people, killing people, destroying people, trying to intimidate them by blowing them to bits so they give up. You ever track Satan to see if he's any different? Now, here's another thing about them. Now, the last one. I give you there's several examples of an enemy. An enemy is like flies to dirt. They're always attracted to mess. When things are messy, they show up because they love strife. When things are going good, they're envious and jealous and they're upset 
that the fact that y'all are getting along. But when things are going bad, oh, they are there. And they're ready to comment and tell you anything. Because they're like flies to chicken skin left in the trash can too long. Or fish left out too long. They're attracted to decay. And that's why he says, this is how you never stay broken. Let me finish this. This is how you never stay broken. Look at, look at chapter 27, verse 10. This is how you never stay broken, living word. This is how you never stay broken and create a good circle, an inner circle of friends. Okay, don't forget in the midst of this series we're dealing with, how do you make a relationship work? How do you keep a relationship working? Bottom line. How do you make it work is what we've been talking about. How do you keep it working? God's way. Because in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when they followed these, they did not have the high divorce records we have. And they didn't get to date. They were told who to marry. In chapter 27, verse 10, he says, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. Here it is. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. What he's talking about in the day of war don't go to your brother's house because guess who you're bringing with you? Your enemies. Don't involve your brother in something that would cause them to be messed up while you're trying to go forward. Why? Because if you have a friend, that friend will fight for you, but you don't need to take it to their house. Okay? Now, here it is. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. Here's a fundamental thing to summarize this. People that are true neighbors, stop pushing them away. Because we, ah, I can't stand something about her. I can't stand something about him. So we're looking for perfect people to do perfect things. And we can't stand the fact that we are just as imperfect as they are. So the minute somebody does something that we don't like, we push them away. And the Bible is saying we're not being a neighbor. It is better to keep your neighbor close, a person who's chose to be a friend, a person who's committed to be a friend, a person who may not tell you what you wanted to hear, a person who has shown you they would never forsake you or leave you, a person who is not an enemy. He says take that person, keep them close to you. Don't find ways to push them away. Because there's always going to be a reason to push them away. Because there's nobody that is perfect. Nobody is perfect. I don't care how perfect you think you are, you ain't perfect. There's some people so perfect, the only person they can find perfect is when they're alone by themselves, looking in a mirror thinking they are perfect. When you know you're perfect is when you could be with somebody who shows you your imperfections and you're willing to grow spiritually in the perfection of Jesus Christ so that you no longer live it as Christ that lives in you. When you function that way, you're being perfected in Christ so you're in your imperfections you're made perfect. But if your imperfections make you criticize everybody and run to your corners and stay alone in your corners, the Bible says in the midst of difficult times you will not have a circle of friends. You will be alone, you will be broken. The Bible says it's better right here in Ecclesiastes. It's better to have two people than one. It's better to have three people than two. Because in this world that we live in, even Jesus Christ would send the disciples out in twos. He would not send them out in ones. Because Satan will tear us to bits by ourselves. We are born into families. We are born into being in a church member. We are born into extended families. Why? Because God knows if we're not committed to building a tribe and we're committed to being alone, we'll be destroyed. And that's what this virus proved beautifully, that when we are separated, alone, we can't survive. Because we're not designed that way. We're designed like the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit is together. That's how we're defined. The best way to survive this life is to see a neighbor that is close. In their days, there's no cars. Is donkeys and walking. So when a person is close, there are no hospitals. It's better to have somebody close. You know, just there's some things that has happened at Living Word that I just praise God for. And then just knowing Margaret Baptiste, 
in the hospital. And they got to figure out how to get her to not answer calls. I was there watching a person saying, hey, I brought you this. I brought you that. Family members showing up saying, hey, we're here. Don't worry about your house. We got your house taken care of. There are people saying, girl, what you want to eat? No, the doctor don't want you to eat that. You ain't eating that. I ain't bringing it. What's keeping her strong? The circle of friends. Doesn't mean COVID don't exist in that hospital. Doesn't mean they don't have to wear a mask going there. But it doesn't matter. They're a friend. They don't forsake. They don't walk away. And that person that's on her back stays strong. Folks, today, we want relationships. When God is saying, build friendships, let us stand.